And now it's time for On The Money with your host, Dan White. Dan has been in the financial services industry for over 25 years, and he's been a featured expert in Forbes, Yahoo, the Philadelphia Business Journal, Dow Jones Market Watch, and has appeared nationally on Fox Business News. Dan is a member of some of the most prestigious financial organizations, including the Society of Financial Service Professionals and the National Association of Insurance and Financial Advisors. In addition, he's a chartered life underwriter and a chartered financial consultant, credentials you can trust. Broadcasting from the heart of Wilmington, Delaware, here's your host of On The Money, Dan White. I have talked extensively over the last couple months that the best investment posture is cautious optimism. You know, if you're totally pessimistic and bearish, you'll never get in the game. But if you have untamed optimism, at some point you'll have a serious setback. So the cautiously optimistic investor asks, what could go wrong and what could go right? You know, unbeknownst to a lot of people, stock prices don't always go up. We saw a taste of that uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, when we had the situation in China with the real estate and the latest volatility may or may not turn into something more extended. You know, some of the most respected market analysts are turning bearish and others expect the bull market to continue. So timing is very difficult. Yet nothing has happened to make bear markets impossible. Stocks are overextended by many different measurements, so at some point the bears will take control. And more than a few investors probably aren't ready for that possibility. So today I want to show you how richly valued the market is and then review some of the top risks that could force it downwards. And as I, as I always talk about, we don't know exactly what will trigger a collapse, but we know something will do it. And then if we have time, we'll talk about what could go right. You know, uh, markets can go a lot higher for longer than many people expect. Welcome to the On The Money Show. My name is Dan White, and I am the host of your show. And this morning, uh, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about market valuations, what could go wrong and cause this thing to collapse, and hopefully what could go right as well. Before we get started, I do have a, uh, a giveaway. We have a white paper that we have authored, and I think it's very important because when you stop working, the paychecks stop. So the white paper is called, How Will You Get Paid After You Retire? Understanding Retirement Income. So I think this is a very valuable piece of literature. You should all get your hands on. If you'd like to pick up a free copy, pick up the phone and give us a call at 888-690-8820. Again, 888-690-8820 in Pennsylvania. It's a local call, 610-358-8942, 610-358-8942. We have three upcoming events this week on Wednesday the 27th at 5.30, we'll be down at the Metro Pub and Grill in Wilmington, Delaware, doing today's retirement concerns and solutions. And then on Thursday, we have dual programs. Uh, we'll be up at Brandywine Prime, new location right there on Route 1 in Chad's Ford, great restaurant. Uh, Thursday the 28th at 5.30, we'll be at Brandywine Prime. We'll also be down at the Deerfield Country Club in Newark, Delaware. Both programs will be featuring today's retirement concerns and solutions. So if you've got questions, 
about your paycheck in retirement. You want to find out you know, what other people are doing, how we're helping other people deal with the issues that you're facing yourself, then pick up the phone and get a reservation to one of our upcoming events. But, you know, when you talk about uh, making money in stocks, you know, it's really, it's really quite simple. It's not that difficult. You buy a stock, and then you sell it at a higher price. But that means two things need to happen. The stock price has to rise above your purchase price, and the second thing that has to happen, you have to sell it while it's above the purchase price. And that's why where you buy the starting price, that's why that matters. The higher it is, the fewer chances you have to sell it at a profit. Buying a stock whose price is already extreme puts the odds against you. That's what people have been doing, and to be fair, it's worked out well for a lot of people out there, but the jury is still out because most of those folks haven't yet sold. So you hear about paper losses. Well, now we're in a situation where you have paper gains. It's not really a realized gain until you sell. So the so-called Buffett indicator is one of the best high-level valuation measures. This is simply a ratio of stock market capitalization to GDP or gross domestic product. It makes sense because over long periods, stocks should track economic growth. So when we look at the chart for the Buffett indicator, this ratio recently surpassed its tech bubble peak that happened 20 years ago. This means stocks are more expensive relative to GDP than they have ever been in the modern era. Now, could they could they still get more expensive? Well, sure. Some stocks could and almost certainly will buck the trend. But this shouldn't reassure anyone who is putting new money into the market or is sitting there with those huge paper or unrealized gains. And then I came across another interesting chart on price-earnings ratios. You know, you calculate what's called a running sigma, which is the number of standard deviations the current month's price earnings is above or below its 10-year average. So you take the number of standard deviations, you're either above or below. And the current reading of roughly three standard deviations matches or exceeds seven other peaks in the last 100 years. 2009 is the exception. However, that significant overvaluation is a function of earnings collapsing, not excessive prices. In all the cases, the ratio fell to at least zero. The current sigma is at prior peaks, so any upside from here appears pretty limited. If the market were to revert to a zero sigma, we would expect about a 36% loss. And again, a decline to negative readings would compound the losses. And it does go negative as well. So for PE to simply return to what was normal over the last 10 years would take a 36% loss. But past bear markets didn't stop there. Long periods of overvaluation get balanced by subsequent undervaluations. So it's entirely reasonable to think the next bear market, whenever it comes, will chop prices in half. Now that's not crazy. That's not just, you know, talk. It is what you should expect. And again, let me stress, 
timing is hard. You know, we never know exactly when the sand pile will collapse. We just know it will. The charts that we looked at shows the Buffett indicator has been at very high levels, worrisome levels for several years. This could continue, but the longer it does, the bigger the bubble gets and the bigger the eventual collapse will be. So the ultimate trigger may be something none of us have considered, an unforeseeable bolt from the blue. But many triggers are perfectly visible, and some are more plausible than others. So I'm going to name a couple things that could go wrong, starting with the B list, and then and then I'll move on to the one I think that is probably most likely and the most dangerous, too. So let's talk about China. You know, when you talk about China, the sheer size of China means that when China has a problem, just kind of like the U.S., when they have a problem, it affects everyone. So the latest China problem is the debt-laden property developer Evergrande, which has missed some payments and as of today is in default. There's never just one cockroach. While we don't know the extent, I'll bet you that China has dozens of other Evergrande light problems. It's unclear if the government can help much or even wants to. And I, I would not want to be a bank or a mutual fund holding, holding dollar-denominated Chinese debt. I mean, they can form all the debt holder committees they want, but if the CCP is on the other side of the table, you won't have much leverage. There's no rule of law. However, the dollar-dominated debt, while seemingly huge, is a drop in the bucket. The rest will be absorbed internally within China, and that is their problem. More likely, it's kind of a slow-burn crisis. But the world does have one problem. China is currently the world's fastest-growing major economy and a critical supplier to most other economies. If Evergrande depresses construction and business activity while raising the cost of capital, growth in China could slip to a very low level. The real estate and commodities world has grown accustomed to China growing at a compound 6 to 8% a year. Any lasting drop would affect businesses worldwide and slow global growth down. And that could certainly combine with other forces to generate crisis conditions. And then you got the U.S. political gridlock. You know, I mean, okay, we didn't shut the government down. We passed a stopgap spending bill, so now the debt ceiling is okay until December. You know, the Democrats, they're still trying to pass an infrastructure bill, and the Republicans are holding out. And, you know, it's not clear. It doesn't look like the Democrats have the votes on their side. So we don't know what will happen, but it's another potential fiasco. In any case... The Treasury will, will, will pass this stopgap bill, and then in December we'll have the same fight about the debt ceiling. You know, the SEC ruled in 2013 that any government security that doesn't pay on maturity date is in technical default and must be valued at zero. That means money market funds holding T-bills would have to mark down their portfolios if a debt ceiling fight interrupts interest payments. That would break the buck, in other words. This risk has created a kink in the yield curve. 
But the kink is much smaller than a similar one we had in the 2013 debt ceiling fight, so traders seem to think this risk is low. But somehow, we always seem to increase the debt ceiling. Count me in the group that thinks that risk is low. Let me give you our phone numbers. Toll free, you can reach us at 888-690-8820. Again, 888-690-8820 in Pennsylvania. It's a local call, 610-358-8942. 610-358-8942. This morning, we're talking about the stock market, the valuations of the stock market, what could be the trigger that pops the bubble. And when we come back after the break, we'll talk more about what could go right as well. What we'll more after the break. If you're within five to ten years of retirement, this message is for you. There's never been a bigger disconnect between Wall Street and Main Street. Unemployment over 15%. Unprecedented federal stimulus. Wall Street has never been more volatile. If there was a vehicle that credited you 7% up front, then grew your nest egg by 6 to 7% a year, guaranteed for the next five to ten years before turning into an income stream that you cannot outlive, would you want to know about it? Call Dan White & Associates now for details. 888-690-8820. Surrender charge. And other restrictions may apply. Welcome back to the On the Money Show. My name is Dan White, and I am the host of your show. This morning, we're talking about the the market, the the stock market. What could go wrong? What could go right? And before the break, you know, we talked about China. You know, if there's a slowdown in China, that's certainly going to affect the rest of the world economies. And we talked about political gridlock. You know, with the debt ceiling and that type of thing. So these are all, you know, risks. They might be small, they may be large, um, but they could affect us. I mean, if something goes wrong, they could certainly impact uh, our economy and our market. So we're going to continue with this conversation. But before we do, we do have a giveaway today. We're giving away a white paper. How you will? How will you get paid after you retire? Understanding retirement income. So again, it's up to you when you retire to craft that retirement paycheck between pensions, social securities, investment assets, annuities, you name it. Um, how are you going to how are you going to get that steady paycheck? So if you'd like to figure out what we have to say about that, pick up the phone and give us a call 888-690-8820. It's toll free 888-690-8820. In Pennsylvania, it's a local call 610-358-8942 610-358-8942. We have three upcoming events. All three events will be today's retirement concerns and solutions on Wednesday. This coming Wednesday, the 27th at 5:30, will be at the Metro Pub and Grill in Middletown, Delaware. And then Thursday, the 28th at 5:30, we have dual programs. Um, we'll be at Brandywine Prime on Route 1 in Chad's Ford at 5.30. We'll also be down at the Deerfield Country Club in Newark, Delaware at 5.30 as well. So if you'd like to come out to one of our programs and find out how we're helping other people just like you solve some of their retirement questions, uh, by all means, pick up the phone and get a reservation to one of our upcoming events. So what else could throw a monkey wrench into the U.S. stock market? Well, how about tax changes? You know, Congress is trying to pass, you know, these infrastructure bills, uh, one of which did have some bipartisan support but could fail anyway. they become bargaining chips, but, you know, uh, Senator Kirsten Sinema and uh, a fellow down in West Virginia have made it clear they're not going to vote uh, for these infrastructure bills. Uh, so it, it's, you know, it is what it is. It's... And they're not just spending bills. There's also tax bills and potentially problematic ones. The House Democratic version includes a provision that would prevent 
investors from holding non-publicly traded assets like hedge funds and real estate in IRAs. Those who currently have such would get two years to move the assets out of IRA form, at which point any gains would become taxable. So where would people get the cash to pay those taxes? Well, many would have to sell other assets like stocks, and that wouldn't be good for stock prices. But fortunately, a lot of sources say even many Democrats are against this particular idea. Other taxes are other tax changes are quite possible and even likely um, as negotiations seek pay-fors to cover their spending. But the risk of unintended side effects is high, particularly when the people writing legislation don't understand how markets work. You know, reading the tea leaves suggests that corporate taxes and capital gains taxes will rise 4% plus and income taxes at the highest levels, we'll go back to 39.6 plus Medicare. And that would be a drag on the economy, but less so than the original much higher proposals, which hopefully are now off the table. Another risk would be a COVID recession. You know, the pandemic continues to affect economic activity everywhere. We hear a lot about supply chain problems. Some of it begins in the exporting companies where virus outbreaks shut down ports and factories. This could continue since vaccinations are proceeding much slower in these places. Here in the U.S., COVID seems to have taken several million people out of the labor force. We see help wanted signs all over. Some are choosing to retire early. Others are homeschooling their children, changing careers, dealing with long COVID disability. There seems to be several million workers who are reluctant to come back to the workforce when COVID is still a significant factor. And all of this combines to explain why we have 10 million job openings, increasingly high wages to attract workers, yet few workers are responding. And this comes on top of the demographic trends that we already see reducing the working age population. It's a problem because we need a sufficient number of productive workers to generate GDP growth. You know, I've said, you know, we might only see 1% average growth over the rest of the decade. And note that's average. It could and probably will include recessions with below zero growth. Recession is rarely good for corporate earnings. And now to the main risk, you know, really policy risk. You know, a few months ago, quite a few economists expected the Fed at the September policy meeting would mark the initial tapering of the stimulus programs. But that meeting occurred, and real shocker, they still aren't tapering. They did throw us a little bone, though. They said, a moderation in the pace of asset purchases may soon be warranted if everything goes well. Blah, blah, blah. It includes all their hedge clauses and escape hatches. They promise nothing and may well do nothing at the next meeting either. We'll never know, but I, I think the weak jobs numbers, the August jobs numbers, spooked the Fed. They have lashed themselves to the full employment mast, and if that's not happening, tapering now would generate major credibility questions. Now, the next statement will be on November 3rd. By then, they will have seen the September jobs report, maybe even had a peak at October's. If it shows them some path to maximum employment, then maybe they'll take a first step. 
I don't know. I, 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 I don't have a whole lot of faith. By then, we may also know whether Powell will be reappointed. It seems likely, but at that point, Powell may be willing to begin a taper that might be faster than normal. Sadly, though, I think the Fed has already waited too long. You know, the FOMC members are hoping for some kind of magical return to normal. If inflation pressure keeps growing, it will eventually force their hand. Real rates will become even more negative, and the feds will have no choice but to begin applying the brakes, possibly harder and faster than the market anticipates. And that won't be pretty, but it's a real possibility. I consider Fed policy or the messing up of Fed policy to be the number one risk to both the economy and the stock market. Let's face it, they've done it numerous times before. I mean, the dot-com bubble, the 0809 Great Recession, they needed to start tapering last year as soon as it was clear the financial system would hold together. And now they're kind of boxed in, painted into a corner, and we're all in the box with them. So that's everything that could go wrong. What could go right? Well, sentiment drives markets, uh, at least in the short term. Markets are near their all-time highs, yet sentiment is weakening. You know, those who believe the economy is improving fell 11 percentage points to 27% between August and September, the sharpest dive in 13 years. And those who believe the economy is getting worse rose by 7 percentage points to 40%. Since 1985, the spread between brightening and darkening outlooks has averaged minus 17 points. So the sudden September decline is a bigger concern. Outlooks among households making less than 50000 fell by 16 points, among higher earners by 5 points, among Democrats by 21 points, and among Republicans by 13 points. You know, and then there's, uh, then there's a couple other charts I came across. You know, COVID models uh, developed by scientists who advise the CDC say things are finally beginning to improve. One scenario suggests infections will fall 80% or even more by March. Well, getting past this pandemic would create a huge turnaround in the country's mood. Workers would feel far more comfortable coming back to work. You could find millions of people, especially in the lower income ranges, finding jobs. The unemployment number would drop significantly probably much closer to 4%, the economy would improve and sentiment would potentially come roaring back. The Fed would have room to finish the taper faster and actually begin raising rates to something that looks like normal. In another six months, more supply chain problems will be solved and the economy will resume functioning normally. Business travel will begin to pick up although it may never get to the prior level since we now know how to have events online. Home builders could finally catch up with the demand from first-time home buyers. Businesses would see new opportunities and make capital investments again. You know, like things would be like normal. Maybe we even get an honest-to-God 10% correction in the markets, creating a buying opportunity as sentiment begins to rise. Is this optimistic? Well, yes, it is, but appropriately and cautiously optimistic. We keep our eyes on the COVID statistics. We pay attention to the supply chains. We watch the sausage factory in D.C. hopefully not do too much damage to the tax structures and creating too many job-killing 
regulations. But a rally from here because of the relief from COVID being behind us is not out of the question. The contrast between what could go right and what could go wrong has hardly ever been starker. I still think we're in a market where I would rather diversify among trading strategies than buy and hold, but that reflects my cautious optimism. I'm a little bit in the market, but there's a hedge. And again, it depends on where you are. If you're close to retirement, you better be a little more than cautious. Let me give you our phone numbers toll-free. You can reach us, 888-690-8820. Again, 888-690-8820 in Pennsylvania. It's a local call, 610-358-8942, 610-358-8942. This morning, we've been talking about the market, what could go wrong, a lot of potential things, what could go right. Uh, I encourage people to be cautious. If you've got questions, we've got the answers. Pick up the phone and give us a call. Have a great week. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of their respective parties and not those of this show's producers or this station. Join us again for more On the Money 